From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. But we're going to go into the story of Joseph, and we're just going to go right into it. So uh, this, we already started the story of Joseph, and then we had a brief uh, interlude with the story of Tamar, uh, and now we're back into Joseph, and we'll have Joseph for the rest of the study of Genesis. Again, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. So let's just go ahead and, and go into it. Uh, chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So if you'll remember, uh, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers uh, because they were jealous of him. He was the beloved son of, of Jacob. Uh, and he bought, he had a coat manufactured for him and, and had this wonderful coat of many colors. Uh, they were very upset that Jacob had blessed Joseph with this gift and that he seemed to favor Joseph. So they sold him into slavery. Uh, the Ishmaelites took him to Egypt. They were uh, traders themselves. They went to Egypt. They didn't keep him. They actually sold him into slavery in Egypt, apparently. So that's how Joseph, someone from the tribe of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, that's how he gets to Egypt, uh, is he sold into slavery. But Joseph is an interesting character. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all of that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. So uh, what a tremendous blessing to have somebody like Joseph in your house. Who is Joseph? So Joseph is obviously, uh, you might, uh, if you did look at the Enneagram presentation last night, uh, you'll find out that, uh, that all of us have skills in different areas. Um, and uh, some people are skilled in managing affairs. Some, some people are skilled in coming up with brilliant ideas. Somebody are skilled in kind of fleshing out those ideas and figuring out whether or not they work or not. Um, but if I were to guess, I would say Joseph is a three on the Enneagram. I could be wrong on that. You, the, the, it appears that Joseph is um, successful in many, many areas. He gains the trust of Potiphar. He's able to manage Potiphar's household. Uh, people respect Joseph. He has integrity. His word is his bond. I mean, these are people uh, that are, are able to see a situation, act decisively, uh, do the things that are necessary, engage, the, you know, manage the household well. That's a hard thing. It's in, a, in the business world today, it might be a mid-level mid manager. Uh, and as a mid-level manager, he's able to take all the resources of Potiphar's house and put him to the best use and do the things that, that are necessary to manage the household. Uh, and apparently he does it really, 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 really well. 
uh, in Downton Abbey, there's a show called Downton Abbey, and we watched it uh, the first three or four seasons of the show. But there is um, in in each of these houses of the aristocracy of Great Britain from 100 to 150 years ago, you had these estates. And in the estates, they had many, many, many servants. They had servants to cook the food. They had servants to clean the, clean the laundry. They had servants to go to the store and market and buy the food. They had servants uh, who drove the vehicles. They had servants who managed the horses and the stables. They had all these servants. And they all lived together in the house as kind of like a, a dynasty, I guess you'd say. And uh, at the top level of all these servants was like the master servant or the head of the household. And this is the person that managed everything. And typically, like in Downton Abbey's case, uh, that servant is very well uh, respected. Uh, I don't know if they're necessarily compensated uh, very well because they live in the household, but sometimes they don't live in the household. That's the whole thing about Downton Abbey. Uh, but but uh, you can imagine that having somebody in the household that manages the household well is a very, very prized possession. Uh, and Joseph prospered. Why did he prosper? Because God was with him, obviously. But he appeared to be able to manage the household well. And I think he probably had a lot of integrity. He probably had a lot of smarts. He acted well. He did the right thing at the right time. And so the Lord continued to bless him. And that's just, that's awesome. But Joseph has a problem. <laughs> Aside from being smart and intelligent uh, and quick-witted and able to get along with people and manage a household, he has another problem, a major problem. Um, we continue reading in verse 6. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. So... Um, why does the Lord bless some people with just like everything? I don't know. It happens every once in a while. Uh, so he is extremely handsome and well-built. Uh, and not only, you know, the servants, everybody respects him because he's well-built and handsome. Uh, but Joseph's, uh, master's wife also takes notice of Joseph. So, um, and the Lord does this every once in a while. He'll just pour into a person brains and beauty and smarts and quick-witted and temperament. It is very, very, very rare that someone is blessed with all of that, right? But it does happen periodically. And Joseph appears to be one of those people. Um, I am blessed with God in some areas, but there are some areas that I'm not blessed with by God. Uh, and of course, we're always envious of those who are blessed in all these areas. But um it always comes with a price, right? Beauty comes with a price. And the price for Joseph is that his master's wife wants him to bed her. And what happens? Verse 8, but Joseph refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. 
She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. So obviously Joseph is a, a man of integrity. Uh, he walks into the house. None of the other servants, she probably planned it that way. Uh, and she grabs him and says, come to bed with me. And she fully expects that he's going to do that. Why? Because he's a male, right? A red hot male. Why wouldn't he do this? But Joseph uh, uh, wants his life more than he wants Potiphar's wife. Um, and so he, he denies this advance and he runs out of the house. So what happens? Uh, so verse 13, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her servant, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. Now, at this point, of course, it's only Joseph's word against Potiphar's uh, spouse's, you know, Potiphar's wife's word. So who to believe? Um, I mean, who is Moses to believe? Who is this whole story to believe? At this point, we don't really know. Uh, it's just, you know, the way the story is going on. But we'll continue reading on. Verse 16. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. And then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. And when his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. So, he could have killed him. Um, maybe Potiphar half expected this. You don't know. I mean, most men are blind, I suppose, to this type of behavior in their spouse. I mean, at least I would imagine you would be because uh, love is blind, right? You overlook things like that. Maybe he's not there enough to see this sort of thing. But probably the servants in the household see it and... Um, uh, Joseph obviously did the right thing, but instead of being killed by Potiphar, he's put into the prison. And why is he able to be put in the prison? Because he's the captain of the guard, right? Uh, he's in the house of the captain of the guard. So the captain of the guard's like, I don't want to kill Joseph. He's like amazing. He takes care of everything. All I have to do is come home and eat. Um, I don't know if I believe this story. So I'm just going to put him in prison and maybe, maybe I can just keep him in prison for a while until this whole thing blows over. I have no idea. Um, so he puts him in prison. So let's continue reading verse 19. Uh, no, verse uh, 20. Yeah, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. Uh, we'll continue reading at the end of that sentence. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And he showed him kindness and he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Oops, I wasn't reading that. Yeah, so there it is. Um, so this kind of reminds me of Shawshank Redemption. I don't know if you've seen that movie. It came out about 15, 20 years ago, um, and it's a story of a guy who's put in prison for bank embezzlement, uh, and uh, he seems to be 
working for the mafia or something like that. And uh, I don't know if he, I can't remember the story, if he like took the fall for the mafia or he really is a bad guy. But somehow he's the fall guy. and He goes into prison. Um, and while he's in prison, he earns the respect not only of the prisoners, but he in, earns the respect of the warden of the prison and even some of the uh, guards of the prison. And they, uh, he earns all this respect. Um, now, whether or not it's rightful respect or not, you, you'd have to see the movie to see. But um, it appears that Joseph, wherever he goes, God blesses him and gives him you know, not only handsomeness, uh, but brains and wit and the ability to manage even prison so that the prison warden puts Joseph in charge of things, which is just absolutely amazing. Uh, but when you see good talent, you use good talent and the wardens see that this is good talent. And so they put Joseph to good use. Um, and it's interesting that everybody in this world has talent and everybody can be used at some level. Uh, whoever you are, if you're listening today, God has blessed you with a talent. I guarantee it because we're all blessed in ways that God has blessed us. Um, we might be blessed with uh, physical abilities. We might be uh, blessed with emotional abilities. We might be blessed with intellectual abilities. But at some level, we're all blessed with something from God. And a good manager will be able to help you see where your gifts are and then help utilize those gifts in the most appropriate way. Uh, so, you know, as you grow up, you're probably all older that are listening to this, but you've known good managers or good companies that kind of worked with you and saw where your skill set lied and then help develop and groom those skill sets, um, whatever they are. And some people, I mean, we're all different. So those skill sets are all radically different. And um, in the business world, we tend to favor some skill sets over other skill sets. So for example, um, you know, you might, you might have a degree or you might be, you know, have an advanced degree or you might uh, be really, really good at working with your hands. I mean, Whatever those skill sets are, uh, the business world tends to do two things. One is they do try to help you know increase your skill set, and make you more valuable to the company. But some companies are so large uh, and so um, insular that they don't necessarily care about the employee and advancing their skill set and grooming them and, and, and helping them advance in their world and and utilize their skill set best. And so. But the church is different because in the church world, um, we uh, in the church have, we see everybody as being blessed by God, whatever the skills or gifts that have been given. And so we are not constrained by how the society views you. We are constrained by how God you know, views you. And everybody has skill sets. Everybody can learn and grow and do things. Uh, and so in the church, which is radically different from the business world, uh, you could have weird things like, um, you know, I, I, somebody uh, who's just really maybe comes from a difficult background, but you, you could groom this person to take on a huge leadership role, uh, which would never happen in the business world because of their difficult background. Or you might even have somebody who is incredibly successful in the business world, 
but they come into the church world and all they want to do is just, you know, do something uh, with their hands or something or, you know, what we might call menial labor or something like that. And, and they do it because they don't have to earn money on it. They just do it because it brings them joy. I mean, that is the great thing about the church world is that we're not constrained by trying to make a profit or, um, you know, trying to utilize, you know, people's background and skills and all that. Appropriate. We, we can wipe all that out and just treat everybody as a, as a child of God uh, and use them wherever they would like to be used. And, and that's awesome thing about the church world. That's one thing I've learned over the business world. Uh, and so even though Joseph uh, is in prison, um, he's kind of in the same situation. He's being used to his best utilization. Somebody sees his gifts and puts him in charge and he does a really, really great job. Uh, and so that, you know, kudos to the Egyptian uh, guard warden that was able to see those skills and in, in, in Joseph and, uh, and utilize them. So, uh, but the story goes on. So verse uh, chapter 40. Sometimes later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Ha! Huh. So, not only is he handsome, not only is he smart, witty, uh, you know, a great leader, he also can interpret dreams. I mean, you know, I mean, because if, if we can't pile enough stuff into one person, let's just put some more stuff in there, all right? So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream, and he said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed and, it clust and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. Now, that's the dream. Very interesting dream. But what happens? Well, Joseph tells him. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are the three days. Within three days, Pharaoh's will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Wow. So... Uh, Joseph interprets the dream. He says, in three days, you're going to be restored to your position with Pharaoh. Uh, but when you get to that position, Joseph says, can you remember me? And he tells him his story about how his brothers sold him into slavery. You know, and he came into Potiphar's wife, probably told him how this whole thing went down with Potiphar. Um, and the, the cupbearer probably uh, was very appreciative of Joseph. And so he said, yeah, I'll remember this. But it goes on. Verse 16, when the chief baker saw 
that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up, lift off your head and impale your body on a pole and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now, the third day was Pharaoh's birthday and he gave a feast for all of his officials and he lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in the interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Oh my goodness. So, Joseph interprets the dream, and the dream comes true as Joseph predicted. The cupbearer is restored to Pharaoh, the baker is impaled on the pole. The cupbearer, of course, who had this great news restored to Pharaoh, he immediately goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, I knew this was going to happen because this guy in prison, right? No, that doesn't happen. Uh, he completely forgets about Joseph and goes on with his merry life. And so Joseph is stuck in prison and will remain in prison for a long time, except that... Um, Pharaoh has a dream. Um, and I think before we get into Pharaoh's dream, um, maybe I'll just reflect a little bit about uh, Joseph. Um, I, I love Joseph's integrity. I love Joseph's smarts. I love his ability to manage things. Um, what a huge blessing he is uh, everywhere he goes. And um, I like to believe, although there's no proof of this, that the reason why Joseph was so uh, used by, by the Potiphar and the, and the prison guard, the warden, is because of his integrity. I think um, his ability to kind of overlook the fact that he's a prisoner uh, and just do the best he can in the situation that he's in. I mean, and we're all prisoners of something. I mean, we're all prisoners. Like, I'm a prisoner because I haven't been blessed as, as Joseph has in some areas, right? And you're a prisoner because none of us are perfect. None of us can have all the blessings and all the gifts necessary for the management of life. We are all prisoners in some form because we live in a fallen world. And some of us are more prisoners than others. Uh, some people might be prisoners because our health is declining. Or some people might be prisoners because our mental acuity isn't what it once used to be. Or some of us are prisoners because our financial situation isn't all that great. Uh, some of us might be prisoners because of family situations that have plagued us our whole entire life. Some of us didn't grow up in great, um, you know, great situations. All of us at some level are prisoners. And um, the, the joy of God working in our life is that we can overlook the things that imprison us, the things that hold us back uh, from, from what could be a horrible life uh, and let God just use us in the areas that he can use us. And 
help us reach our full potential as being the person that God wants us to be. I mean, look at Joseph. He's in prison for crying out loud. You could, in in some sense, uh, Joseph has every right to sit in the corner in prison and just pout. I mean, he's, he is in prison not because of anything he did wrong. He's in prison because of Potiphar's wife. Uh, he's in prison because of Potiphar. He's in prison because of his brothers. Uh, he's in prison uh, because of his father giving him this multicolored coat. I mean, all of these things, none of these things are Joseph's fault. He just did what came naturally to him. He uh, he did all the right things, and he's still in prison. And that's a difficult place to be. Um, but Joseph just overlooks it and says, you know what, I know I'm in prison, but I'm going to still do to the best of my ability, anything I can to make the world a better place, to make this prison a better place. And, you know, the Apostle Paul was that way too. When he was in prison, he could have been dejected and angry at God, angry at the world around him. But even when he was in prison, the Apostle Paul shared the gospel. Uh, He ministered to prison guards. He ministered to other prisoners. And like I said, all of us at some level are imprisoned because of the world is not perfect. It is a fallen world and sin has encompassed this world. And whenever there's sin around at some level in each of us, there is some level of prison being in prison. And so um, my, my call to you is to say, you know what? Even though you're in prison, God's still with you and he loves you and he cares about you uh, and his joy is with you. And um, just let God use you to the best of your ability Uh, in the situation you're in Um, because he hasn't forgotten you and he still loves you and you're in the kingdom and um, that's a great place to be. So I think that's a great place to end today and then we'll get into Pharaoh's dream. Uh, So join me in prayer. Uh, Dear God, thanks for the blessings of this day. Um, Help us to be your hands and feet in the world around us like Joseph. Uh, In Jesus' name we pray.